Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and cool, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always fright. Welcome to the greatest show on earth. And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is talking terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G. Welcome you back to this episode where tonight it's my film pick of the week. So later on in the show, we're going to be talking about Possession from 1981, directed by Andrzej Zawowski. So stay tuned for that. It's a story of marriage, horror, drama, and a sack of fucking meat monster. So we're going to be talking about that a little later on in the show. But of course, I'm joined by the bold and the beautiful, the Ghoul Geek Keith. Hello, hello, everybody. What is going on tonight? Welcome back. Glad to have you here. We're also joined by the psychotic Simeon, the Prince of Amor's Day, the Mad Monkey. Get funky with the monkey. Oi, oi, Fright fans. Here we are, folks. The dream you all dreamed of. It's time for the Frightful Fortum. Your ghost host with the most, the Talking Terror crew. Your go-to whole podcast for horror news and movie reviews. Just be a dear. Remember to spread the love of your favorite horror podcast by liking and subscribing to Talking Terror on both Instagram and Facebook. What's up, Fright family? <laughs> Facebook. Hi, monkey. Welcome back to the show. Yeah. And we're also You're not the cool. No, but I was taking, he's a little shy, so I was taking over for him. So, you know, got to get it going. <laughs> got to get this terror train rolling down the track. We're also joined by the very opinionated, very educated, the demonic dean himself, everybody. Yes. And more. Uh, it can't be understated, uh, the the particular sensibilities that, that I bring here to our program, Talking Terror. You keep us grounded, sir. You keep us grounded in reality. So we thank you I for didn't that. say anything about that. Those are your words, not mine. <laughs> uh, see, I'm just trying to give you some, you know, credits, you know, some kudos, Thanks. if you will. You help us keep us here and entertain with your level of horror news and opinions about all things 80s movies. So it's always appreciated here on the show. Um, yes. So before we do, in fact, do the horror news segment, Ghoul or Monkey, is there anything you wanted to talk about before I hand it over to the Dean? Actually, yeah. I'd like to jump Hello. in and say that I actually got to check out the first two episodes of the new Velma series available on HBO Max. Ooh, uh, terrible. Where they they tap into the Scooby-Doo universe, they mess with it, they have fun with it, it's raunchy, it's nasty, and I, I'm having fun with it. But at the same time, there's a lot of very, very pissed off parents out there because this is not a kid's show in any way, shape, or form, and people are pissed off that they're taking the Scooby-Doo universe and even messing with it like they are. But yeah, this is definitely late-night stoner material where they're try- trying to sit there and go in kind of the territory that we did with Harley. And yeah. I'm having fun with it, but apparently King is being pissed because he doesn't like cartoons. 
it may, it's maybe too much no, like a family I, thing for him. <laughs> oh, not at all, because you know how much I love Harley Quinn. I thought Harley Quinn is fucking amazing. It's so funny and so raunchy and so off. Velma, man, like, it's just, they just keep knocking you over the head trying to go, it's funny, right, though? Like, it's funny what we're doing here? Like, look at what we're doing. Like, it's so funny. We're being so, like, just out there. No, when you do that, you kind of lose me a little bit. When you do the whole thing of, like, you know, we're going to really, really be funny. And it's like, no. Yeah, you lose the kid. Some of the jokes landed. Some of them don't. Um, I don't even mind the swapping, like, having Shaggy be black. You know, and that had no fucking effect on me whatsoever, but the character's just dull. He's just like, oh, I kind of like Velma a lot. And she's like, I don't like you. And he's like, oh, damn. Then he had this joke where he's like, I hate drugs. Like in the middle of the episode. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, yeah, he's definitely not shaggy anymore. Um, I don't know. Like, I fell asleep during the second episode because I was so bored. So, I'm glad you're liking it, Monkey. So it's, 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 I want Harley Quinn. <laughs> Wait, well, that's my well, you're saying he's not. You're saying he's not shaggy anymore. This is. This is about them coming together and becoming the crew. So he, the thing is, he's not yeah. shaggy yet, okay? Don't say he's not shaggy anymore. Mm. That's the thing is, this is them I... coming together and becoming the crew. Yeah, I don't see it happening. Here's the thing with that. But... We've seen that already, yeah. okay? There was a little cartoon series in the late 80s, early 90s called A Pup Named Scooby-Doo. Okay, we saw mm-hmm. that yeah. got formed and got put together. Okay, this, okay I, I've heard, I haven't seen any of this series yet at all. Now, I'm a big Scooby-Doo fan, huge Scooby-Doo fan as a kid. I've watched the majority yeah. of the series that have come out. I've seen the movies, live action. I've seen Scoob. You know, um... I don't have anything against Mindy Kaling or anything like that, but what I've heard about this series is if it's just one of those where if you don't like Mindy Kaling's type of humor, you're going to hate this mm-hmm. fucking series. And she's one of those yeah. polarizing type of comedians where, like, there's no, like, oh, okay, I'm just kind of okay with it. It's either you enjoy it or you don't. I've always been on the don't fence. You know, the only series that yeah. I've ever known that she's had any kind of uh, anything to do with that I've enjoyed is the Never Have I Ever series. Um, but that plugs into my whole, like, I like teen comedy type of deal. So, you know, that, that, that's where that kind of falls into that, that funny little category. But, and I also don't think she writes it. Uh, I think she's just kind of, uh, I think she helped create the series but doesn't actually write for the series itself. I think it's, like, based on some of her, like, upbringing and shit like that but i don't know so i'll eventually check it out just to see if it's as bad as everybody's telling me that it is because more people are saying what the king is saying than what you're saying monkey yeah it's just i like mindy kaling when she was on the office but again that's an ensemble cast so she's not like the main center of attention unlike some of her other projects maybe it'll pick up you know she does too but Maybe it'll pick up. Maybe it'll, it'll be a little bit better. Like, I don't even care that Scooby isn't really in the show right now because it's only two episodes in. I just I don't like any of the characters. Like, I don't like the people that were presented with as Fred and Daphne and Velma and Norville. Um, I just, they're all just very annoying people. <laughs> I, just, I didn't find any of them funny. I just sat there the entire time. Like the ghoul does, arms crossed, just staring at the screen going, this isn't funny. It's not working. I don't but like it. Maybe it'll pick up. <laughs> so maybe it'll pick up. I mean, and if you like it, monkey, that's awesome. I'm glad you're having a good time with it. For me, it's just I was like, yeah, all right. <laughs> maybe it'll pick up with more episodes. But Harley Quinn hit me right away. Like the first episode, I was fucking dying with laughter because that show just got me with the right oh. humor. Um, 
But uh, well, yeah, since, so, and I since we are we... on shows, real quick, then I guess I will kind of pop in. Now I haven't completed the first episode yet. It's almost an, it's almost it's almost feature film length. Uh, but we have mm-hmm. started watching The Last of Us, a uh, new series oh, on HBO based on the video game series. And I have to say, I mean, we're almost through. We probably have like twenty minutes left. We just stopped it because I had to get on the air. Starters, absolutely fucking loving it. Now. Yeah, I've never yeah. played the video game series, so I don't know Neither how people I. are currently, you know, going back and forth with them. Because I know that game is very well received, uh, and I know it's yeah, won a lot yeah. of awards. People like absolutely love it. Uh, I actually own it for the PS4. I just never got around to playing it. And then when they said they were remastering it or they were doing like a full PS5 treatment mm-hmm. for it, I figured I would just wait for that co- to come out and then play it. But then I heard they were doing the TV series, and now it's like, okay, well, I don't want to play the game and ruin the television series. So I'm going to at least right. watch the series and then and then go from there with it. But, uh, but yeah, so far it's been fucking phenomenal. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. Um, I watched that first episode. I actually watched the gameplay of the first uh, The Last of Us from start to finish, and I was like, this fucking game is heavy. Like, it's not just a zombie shooter game. It's actually a very heavy dialogue-driven drama. Um, but, Ooh. again, I love Pedro Pascal. So, you know, as soon as I saw he was cast as Joel, I was like, I'm in. I fucking love this guy, you know. I, and I've never seen an episode of The Mandalorian, but I do love the movies that I've seen him in. And as soon as I saw he was cast, I was like, yeah, it, it's going to be good. I, I like what he does. And like I told you in the group chat, I was like, I just hope this guy keeps working. There's something about him I just like, even though I confuse him with Oscar yeah. Isaac all the fucking time. I too, too am a fan of, uh, of Pedro Pascal. You know, besides Mando, obviously, you know, introduced to him in in quite a format in Game of Thrones. And uh, oh yeah, if, <laughs> if, an eye opener. If you if you haven't watched that sequence, <laughs> then damn, are you fucking missing something? Because the mountain does some shit to that motherfucker. Uh, but but yeah, that uh, was quite quite an explosive way to meet a character, or to to meet an actor. Quite the head popper on the scene. <laughs> Unforgettable scene from from that uh, series. Um, but all right. Um, with that being said, Dean, uh, it is your turn. We're going to horror news. What do you got for us? What are we talking about? Oh, how how exciting! It's my turn. Yeah, Dean, what do you uh, got? So, coming off of its successful, you said coming, continued successful run <laughs> at the uh, box office, Ooh. Megan has officially what? already been given its release date for its sequel, uh, you will have to wait until January 17th, 2025 uh, to get a second helping of Megan, uh, which is unusual because usually when there is a successful uh, horror uh, film, they usually rush to get uh, the sequels into production and out in a quicker fashion. But uh, Megan 2.0 is on the way, uh, but not until January of 2025. I'm good with that. That is take your time. Yeah, I mean, uh, that that is a weird one. You know what I mean? Like, I, I take your time. Okay, I'm good with that. Obviously, you know, do I want something that's going to uh, adhere to the same level of quality? that I found the first film that I just saw it this weekend. Oh, uh, no, I just saw it yesterday. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it this weekend. I saw, I saw it yesterday yeah. evening. Um, yesterday. Yeah. So, so, oh, did yeah. you enjoy so it? Do I want... 
you know, I uh, for a PG-13 film, I think similar to, to The King, I uh, I did. I, I found it to be a very enjoyable movie, though it does, does it have some flaws? Yeah, does it have some things where I'm like, man, I really wish that was R-rated because that could have been badass. Of course. Um, but I walked away pleased with what I saw. Um, the ghoul very girl, cool. on the other hand, did not like it. She was very let down with it. She felt like it was, you know, from, I guess, what she had expected it to be, it was not that. Um, she felt like it was more. It was slower than she expected it to be. I think she wanted more, uh, more action. Um, and I, I guess mm-hmm. I could see that, but I kind of felt like this was the direction they were going to go with it. That being said, though, I knew this was this was greenlit for the sequel pretty fast, and I know they already yeah. like the directors already said like he's got his ideas for it and all this and that. So I guess they just want to kind of. I guess they want to take their time with with doing it. I don't know if it's a quality thing or or if it's just. They want to let it like stew a little bit um, and see see what kind of legs that this series has. But I know that the director had stated that he's also, you know, he he would be interested in entertaining a crossover with uh, with, with Child's Play with with, with this series. That so I, I can easily see it. Well, it would have to be the remake Child's Play, I'm sure. Like it wouldn't be the Brad Door of Chucky. I'm pretty sure it would probably be the AI uh, Chucky that we got from a couple of years ago. That would make more sense. That would totally make sense. Of, go, yeah. Oh, uh, you're going to see that crossover done by, presented by Full Moon Features. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's definitely not going to be Full Moon. But, um, no, but I, I have no problem with, with movies taking their time, especially when they're successful in making a sequel, because we've seen in the past, you get a hot fucking movie, and then the next year you get the sequel, and you're like, well, that wasn't very good. It seems kind of rushed, and that's exactly why. Like, all right, this is hot, hot, hot. We gotta get it out. We gotta get a sequel out. Oh, especially you're right, monkey. With horror movies, like you, you get that first movie, and then all of a sudden, like, bam! Next year, March, we're giving you the sequel. And it's like that's a that's a quick turnaround. And then you see the sequel, and it's just it's not good. It's just it's just it feels rushed. I mean, I think yeah, it's, it's half-hearted of all those movies not, is Hollywood. Well so that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we'll. Uh, We'll see something good. I don't know. I'm excited. I got my next movie already lined up. You know, I got Ant-Man, Quantum Media. I bought my tickets uh, oh, I can't wait. today. Uh, is that, I thought that was next month. I thought that was February. It is. It's February 16th, it? but you can pre-order tickets oh. now. Um, oh. I wanted to do the... Uh, <laughs> I wanted to do the IMAX 3D. Unfortunately, the like day one showings for IMAX 3D are all at three o'clock, uh, and there's no later time. Um, so, so mm-hmm. unfortunately, because I'm, I'm ta- well, not unfortunate, but I'm taking Sam with me. So, uh, you know, she she gets out of school at three. So, so we're going to do a 420 mm-hmm. showing in just standard 3D. 420. Yeah, that's great. 420. <laughs> Light them um, up. Yeah, no, I. So I'm definitely planning on going to see that. I'm also going to the movies this weekend to go see the new movie, Missing, uh, which is kind of like a loose uh, sequel to Searching, which came out a couple of years ago. Um, I've been waiting for this movie ever since I heard about it. So it comes out this weekend, Missing. You know, it's all about a, a daughter whose mom goes missing, but it's not all it seems, and maybe the mom was dealing with some very bad people. So it's her trying to figure out where her mother went, and then she's going to be able to save her life. So. I can't wait for it. I was like, man, I'm back to the movies, baby, 2023. I'm going to be there every other weekend. <laughs> Seeing <in the laughs> I, I, so I've seen the trailer for that film. Uh, I'm looking, obviously, again, because I have the, the whole A-list thing, you know, is there a good chance I end up yeah. seeing it? Yes, of course, because I don't, I don't have to pay for it. Um, 
you know, the, the actress involved with it, Storm Reed, is one that I know from Euphoria, and I I mm-hmm. enjoy the things that I've seen her in so far, but this is now, like, the second movie that seems to have, like, a similar vibe to it. But I did not know that this is kind of like a pseudo-sequel, so that kind of uh, piques my interest a little bit. What's the name of the, uh, the, the first film? Searching. Searching. Okay. Yeah, that was uh, John Cho from Halvey Kumar played a father, um, and his daughter goes missing. It's basically him just kind of searching her history and stuff like that online. It's very much in line, like, Unfriended, where it's all presented on a computer is screen the entire time. The one with Cho. I haven't seen it, but is it the one where all the ads, it's like a lot of footage of him, of like, of like looking at his face with like the glow from the computer on it as he's like yeah. sitting at a computer table? Yep, that's the one. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I remember hearing body. some good buzz about that when it came out, although I have not seen it. Yeah, I didn't see it in the theaters. I saw it when it was on TV. It was on FX last year at some point. And I was like, I like the format. I like what they're doing. And then all of a sudden I found out the director was going to do this movie called Missing shot in the same type of format, just different stories. So I was like, all right, I'm in. I was like, I need to get back because unfortunately I missed out on Skidmarink, which came out last weekend, and it was like a limited engagement, and I would have to drive like two hours to go see it, and I was like, I'm not doing that. I was like, I'll just wait until it's on Shutter because everybody was talking about it. But, yeah, I was like, I love the movies. Is that, I'm not willing to shuffle that Fuck, far. is that already out of theaters, man? Skidmarink? Yeah, it was only for a weekend. Yeah. Oh, fuck, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, was, I saw the trailer for that, too, and I was kind of like on the fence. Did I go see Megan or did I go see Skidamarink? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you would have a better chance of going seeing it than I do because of the theater locations that we have around here. But, yeah, that was a limited engagement. Um, I know it's going to be on Shutter at some point this year, so that'll be how I catch it. I was kind of bummed. Um, there's another movie coming out uh, at the end of the month called Fear. Same thing. It's a new horror movie coming out, but it's only limited engagement for a weekend. And it's nowhere around. Mark Wahlberg? Oh. No, I was thinking that it would be a remake, but no, it's not. It's, it's something different. And I saw a trailer for it, and I was like, it <laughs> looks kind of fucking interesting, but no. Finger so, fucked it's one of those things. Coaster, women in the game. It was a hot scene. Finger banged right on that roller coaster. It's the Wild Horses. You can forget that fucking scene. Love you in the house, Mr. Mm-hmm. Walker. Oh, fucking love that movie. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Dean, moving on, what are we talking about? I'm about to tell you that we have talked about <clears throat> how Paul Feig has uh, forever wanted to uh, create his own uh, universal movie monster dark universe, and uh, he's talked mm-hmm. extensively about that, although there's been no word or no traction. But I have learned that he and Sam Raimi, uh, each of them executive producing, are teaming up uh, for a possession horror comedy uh, called Suburban Hell. Uh, which is based on oh, a novel okay. of the same title by Maureen Kilmer. Uh, the, the loose synopsis is that a tight-knit group of suburban moms uh, has a friendship bond that is put to the test when one of them becomes possessed by an evil spirit. Uh, Joanna Kahlo of FX's, the showrunner for FX channels The Bear, is currently writing the screenplay, and it's unknown if Paul Feig, Sam Raimi, or someone else is going to direct at this point. Hmm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that because I, I do have the book. It's just it's on a pile of books I haven't read yet. Like I'm down to maybe like 12 more, but I haven't read, and it's on that stack somewhere in my bedroom. So I'll have to read it before the movie comes out. I mean, anything in Sam Raimi's behind is cool with me, but I do wonder if Paul Feige is ever going to be able to make his Dark Universe. Like I feel bad for him in a way. 
Uh, he had that bomb with Ghostbusters answer the call, and then he's like, I want to make a you know, Universal Monsters movie. And they're like, yeah, probably not going to happen. Like, can't, I can't catch a break. So well, I mean, listen, if, you, if you put something out that's, that's unique and not trying to simply coast on your, your star being Tom Cruise, maybe you have a uh, starting uh, point for a movie <laughs> franchise, you know? Like, yeah, I get I mean, it. And they support, a huge star, yeah. but he's not who you use for a fucking dark universe. No, no, you don't use him for a lot of things. Um, and I'm happy with that. I mean, you know, but yeah, supposedly there's going to be a sequel to The Invisible Man with Elizabeth Moss. I think they just announced that a week or so ago. So that one seems to be the one from the Universal Monsters that's actually getting traction. You know, I mean, I'm still kind of sad we're not going to get Bride of Frankenstein. I was looking forward to that and I got, you know, thrown over the ledge. But, you know, maybe like we've always said, you know, there's always a chance. But, yeah, that Mummy movie with Tom Cruise, oh, just bring me back Brendan Fraser. Just have him be in the movie. At least he did a good job, you know, in those movies, making them watchable. Again, I, I did not hate that version of The Mummy. I mean, I love the Brendan Fraser movie, uh, the, the first yeah. two, anyway. The third great, one, third one not so much. Um, but, uh, and if you notice, uh, you know, just a quick, uh, just to cut in, too, with The Last of Us, the opening sequence, the one doctor that talks about the, the fungi is actually her brother. Mm-hmm. The, the brother character from uh, from the Mummy movies. Is that right? Wow, I didn't get yes, that. Yeah, he just looks much. He <laughs> looks much older, but it's definitely him. You can tell by his face. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I it, I didn't hate like what they were going with with the movie. I hated the Mission Impossible type fucking Tom Cruise shit that was going on. Like that's what you didn't need in the Mummy. You know, like and I don't mm-hmm. know, maybe they wanted to go away from it being another Indiana Jones as type of adventure, but I don't know, it worked. So uh, that that seems to fit that that idea more than fucking spy and, and military type of guy shit that they that they did. But whatever, man. But speaking of books, and you know, just just you know, real quick on that, man. I know Monkey would love this. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, the, the the Goo Girl, you know, had stopped. Uh, she was over by a park, and they had one of those like little little boxes where you know people like donate books or whatever for for other people to. Oh, grab right, a free library. That shit. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, so she just saw like a number of books and was like, "Oh, this looks interesting. This looks interesting. Oh, maybe you know Keith will like uh, will like this one." Well, she found the proverbial diamond in the rough. Uh, she Uh-oh. definitely scored something major, man. Um, it is none other than a first edition copy of Good Omens. By Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. Huh. Oh fuck! So not the wow. first so edition. First edition. It's in good quality. You know the binding seems to be okay. The pages are not loose or anything like that. But to ratchet it up just a little bit as well, it's also autographed by both of them. Bullshit. <laughs> you, what? It's got it's got the piece of paper in it from where the person oh, went to get it signed when the book was released in 1990. <laughs> it was someplace in New York City. Wow. Holy shit, wait. Oh, no. I've heard this story, though, because Neil Gaiman was talking about how uh, they went on a book tour and they went to the, 
like for this tour, you know, and they hit this one place in New York, and because uh, Neil Gaiman was saying, you know, don't worry about it, people don't show up to your signings and shit. Because we went to a signing and in New York, and like literally only nine people showed up. <laughs> this is possible that the uh, person was one of the. No- I don't know if maybe the person passed away. And maybe Could they're, be. you know what I mean? They just, they didn't know, like, you know, what it was, or, or maybe they just didn't look at it, or, like, I just can't see a person giving this up otherwise. So. Yeah. yeah. Holy. Wow. Google gal, you are so I'm, awesome. Uh, <laughs> Better hold on. Yeah, she, she, she has one of those moments, man. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a link a, awesome. a picture yeah. to you in the, in, in the group in a yeah. minute. Especially because Neil Neil Gaiman has said that, like, he is doing, for for those of you fans out there and shit like that, if you have things that are signed by Neil Gaiman, keep it, treasure it, and all that. Because he says he's getting to a point in his age and his career where it's like he just can't do signings like he used to. He has arthritis taking up both of his hands. For him to do the book signings like he used to, it, it literally takes everything out of him. And, you know, so... If you can find him doing this signing, go ahead and go because they're not going to happen for very much longer. Uh, with, mm-hmm. it, with this you autograph, know. he wrote burn. He wrote burn this book, Neil Gaiman, and <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, Pr- and Pratchett wrote, "We made the devil do it." You know, and I guess whoever the person was, it was a person named Stephen. So, so Stephen, if you are yeah, out Stephen there, King. and you can and you can prove that you are the Stephen, obviously, if you want your book back. We will give you your book back. <laughs> be great if it was Stephen oh, King. Yeah. Oh, this going, was this shit. <laughs> the, the, this was a breakup, and, and the ex-girlfriend was like, "Oh, yeah, yeah I'm gonna fucking get you." <laughs> yeah, you I, would, I would think uh, that if maybe it was if it was a newer copy or something like that. But again, this is an original first edition signed in 1990. Like I said, there's a sheet of paper inside of it that shows where the book signing was. So this was definitely signed wow. when it was released. You know, this wasn't something that was signed recently. Well, there you go. I mean, it could be. So could old, be break up. Older couple, <laughs> so. I mean, I, I guess, you know, nothing. Nothing. What is it? Uh, the hell hath no fury. <laughs> and I guess it kind of goes with it. Hell hath no fury like a woman <laughs> scorned. <laughs> yeah, we're going to. Well, we're going to talk about a breakup well, later on not, in the show. So. <laughs> maybe not read that copy, but you should definitely read Good Omens. It's a fun movie. I, I bought – actually, I did. I already ordered it coming in tomorrow. I got a, a paperback copy coming in because, yeah, I don't want to mess up the quality of this book. Nice. <laughs> Very cool. Oh, good old Very Amazon, cool. man. Eight ninety nine, and a day later, here it comes. Only <laughs> yeah, go on Amazon. All right, Dean, what are we talking about next? Oh, we're still doing this, huh? Um, you, no. We are. I'm with you, buddy. I'm with you. Oh, good morning. Good morning, Dean. Sorry. Thank you for the the wake up. Uh, so we have a, a best-selling book out there right now that is brand new that just hit the market on December 28th. Uh, but this book really? is called London <laughs> After Midnight, A Lost Film hmm. by Daniel Tightly. Uh, back movie. in 1927. Uh, there was a silent horror film starring Lon Chaney Sr. called London After Midnight, uh, which was mm-hmm. a big hit. Uh, back in its day, uh, it made um, it made over a million dollars on a budget of $151,000. Uh, 
and uh, the the book that has been released uh, chronicles everything about this film, which, as uh, currently known, uh, all existing prints are uh, completely lost, with many of them being gone, destroyed, yeah. and the the last known print uh, being lost in a 1965 fire in the MGM vaults. Uh, this film was directed by Todd Browning, who directed mm-hmm. uh, a, a Dean of our favorite freaks. Uh, and it's based on exactly. his own short story called uh, The Hypnotist. Uh, the hardcover edition of this book is coming in at a hefty $52, with the paperback Ooh. version at a more reasonable $29. Um, okay, there we go. <laughs> but uh, this horror this horror film is just, it's one of those that I guess can be considered a curiosity, being that there's just... Uh, you know, as currently known, uh, there is no way for anybody to ever see this film ever again. Uh, that doesn't mean that there's not yeah. some print in a can somewhere that 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 people I have no it. idea what they have. But uh, as is known, uh, there are no copies of this film. So if you would like to read the chronicling, uh, this film's history uh, and everything else surrounding it, you should check out uh, London After Midnight, The Lost Film by Daniel Titan. No, yeah, you're right. There's, there's plenty the of back. yeah. There's plenty stills. of stills from the movie, but, uh, but yeah, there, there's like abs- like absolutely no f- actual f- running footage of the movie. Um, yeah, which is a shame because it's just it just seems such such a cool character design, <laughs> and um, yeah, unfortunately, you know, like, like you said, Dean, yeah, <laughs> lost the time. Yeah, he, he was Lon Chaney was playing a fake vampire. I mean, that's about much as we know about it. Um, but it's been documented a lot. Um, like the monkey thing, all there is is stills, and the stills look fucking great. So I doubt anybody's going to find a film canister of that movie anytime soon. I think it's all been burned. You know, I think it's all gone to the wayside. But that book sounds interesting, so I'm going to have to add that to my Amazon list. But all right, Dean, moving on. What else are we talking about? We are talking about the fact that. Uh, there is a uh, video game, Friday the 13th, the killer puzzle game. Uh, and this game, oh, yeah, I play that uh, yeah, this yeah, game, well, good. this game is winding down. Uh, the developers have announced that they were not able to renew any of their light licensing. Uh, so there are going to be no more updates and it is going to be delisted uh, from all of the different storefronts where it's been available on January 23rd. They did say that anybody that has already acquired the game, and any in-game purchases they have made uh, will still continue to have access. Uh, but if you have not purchased the game, if you don't do it by January 23rd, you will lose your ability to do so. But as of January 23rd, there will be no more support or anything like that. You can play what you have, and, and that is the end as for now. That was a fun little game. Yeah. I played it when it first came out. Yeah, I have it on the Switch, actually. It's just, yeah, it's like, uh, like if you remember those those tiny little cheap puzzles that you would get for, like, a stocking mm-hmm. stuffer or, like, you know, like your, your the, aunt. The sliding you like a, puzzles? A, a sliding yep. puzzle, yep, exactly. You can only move so many spaces with the idea of being you're Jason and you have to kill, you know, the, the, the people present. And, uh, but you only have so many moves that you can do it. And then, you know, then you can't also get seen at certain points and, and other stuff. Or you also don't want to fall into the water and shit. 
But, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. And, yeah, I'll have to check it, see whatever updates and, and shit are available for it or if there's any DLC or anything that I'd want to get for it before it goes away forever. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. One of the few games and, I played on the <laughs> And like how the king is with movies, this is how I am with games. And one of the very main reasons why is I prefer my games on solid media. It's like I, I don't mm-hmm. want my games flo- floating around in the cloud. I, I, you know, I, 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 and I understand that you know games have gotten so big that you know it's getting impossible to do them. But I, I want my games to. I have it. I can play it whenever I want. And it's just unfortunately now, because the games have gotten so big and the graphics have gotten so good, it's like while it's floating up there, if it goes away because they pull the game or your hard drive crashes or something, you know, it's gone forever. And I if it's in the cloud, if it's in the cloud, your hard drive doesn't matter. That just just affects your saves, and that's going to be the same whether or not you have it on hard disk or not. Um, like if you have it on and media or not. If, it, if there's still a cloud, like you know, twenty, thirty years from now, because oh, sure I still have going to be something my, of that nature. Because I still have my old ass NES games, you know, and Atari games and stuff moving on up through the generations of consoles. But is there going to be something around to sit there and still keep holding that stuff? You know, it's just, that's of just one of the things that I've thought about. King and I talk about it, you know, because we don't yeah. trust or like the idea of not having a copy, especially of games, you know, <laughs> available for this very reason. It's, and same well, thing with you, when you, you lo- lost all your Marvel stuff, cool, you know. Well, no, that but that one game, yeah, that one game, believe me, and that was a drag, you know, because that was specifically an online-based game that they, uh, yeah, they, they fucked everybody over with, uh, and, and, yeah, that I, I don't like to talk about that. Um, but, you know what, the thing is, too, though, with any of the current generation systems, even if you have a game on, like, on disc, a portion of that game still connects online nowadays. And you can very well have a disc-based game that won't work anymore because of, you know, either an update that you didn't have put through or because they shut something down uh, on their end that they won't, you know, allow certain parts to function anymore. Um, so, so I think that's, that's going to be a, a chance no matter what. I mean, obviously the older systems that don't have online connectivity, that's, that's going to be that. But I don't think you ever have to worry really because there's always going to be people putting out emulators and shit like that. You can play just about every single Atari game for free by just like, you know, going onto certain sites on, on a computer, you know? Um, so, so it's not like all of those things are, are hard to find. But, but, yeah, and when you're dealing with licensing and especially movie properties like we saw with Friday the 13th, you know, it, it can be problematic. Look how much trouble they had with the Friday the 13th video game. You know, all the limitations yep. they had while yeah. they were busy having their fucking lawsuit problem, you know? Think about all the money yeah, that exactly. company lost out on that game because they couldn't put more updates through and couldn't get you more versions of Jason and couldn't give you more campgrounds and, and so forth and so forth. Well, like I was playing it, but obviously there were people playing it. <laughs> Give it the old My son was try. playing it. All right. <laughs> but, okay, Dean, what's next? What are you talking about? Happy Death Day to Us which was going to be the official title of Happy Death Day 2, uh, Christopher Landon Mm -hmm. says that 
the chance of a sequel are dimming. Uh, that he mm. uh, and Senor Blum uh, want to make one more, uh, but Universal is less enthused based on the performance of part two. Uh, they said that there was a brief moment of universal attention, but it seems that they have completely forgotten about us. So if you have been hanging on, hoping for a happy death day too, uh, the chances of you ever seeing this film are looking uh, slimmer by the day. That sucks. Because I do like those movies. Part two wasn't as good as part one, but I was always hoping we could have a trilogy. Um, Unfortunately, as it goes, it did. You know what? This is a classic case of them deciding to fuck with the formula. Mm-hmm. It got too sci-fi. Like, it went too far out there. Whereas the first one was just so simple. And you just you enjoyed it, but yeah. So maybe Happy it Death Day to us to would go like back a to butterfly it. effect level fucking, like, mm-hmm. like storyline. You know what I mean? Like, keep it simple. Keep it easy. And let it just be a fucking horror movie. Just let it be somebody else the next time around. You know, like, that, that's how sequels work, yeah. you know? Like, you look at Scream 2. It ain't like they decided to get into fucking time travel when they made the second and third Scream movies. No. They just had other people be the killers. You can do that. <laughs> yeah. Just, just yeah. like we keep saying with the strangers. You don't need to follow one family. It can just be anybody. And that's what makes it fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that trilogy of movies will be coming out this year, which I'm looking forward to. The Strangers uh, the reboot trilogy. But yeah, you know, it's it's with Happy Death Day too. Yeah, it was too much time travel, too much of of just making it too busy. Um, and they set it up for a third one. You know, they they had it when it ended. It's like okay, you know, we're, but now we're working with the fucking government and shit. So it's, you know, it's, it made you kind of miss the first one where it was just so simple. It was Groundhog's Day meets a slasher movie, and they just tried tried too hard with the second one. They they swung for the fences, and it didn't really work. Although I do love the montage of Jessica Roth in part two where she has to keep killing herself constantly, <laughs> remembering the fucking knowledge of how to, to make everything work, you know, jumping into the wood chipper, you know, jumping out of a plane without a parachute. Like, it was fun. It was a fun montage. But I think that was, like, the highlight of the movie for me. It was just that little montage. But So maybe we'll see. Maybe we won't. But, Dean, what are we talking about next? It's a montage. Motherfucking montage. montage. Even a montage. 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 Five men in. All right. Montage. Let's see. What, five men in. What, what, what should we talk about next? Oh, yes. Uh, speaking to Sci-Fi Wire, uh, Kevin Williamson has said uh, that the upcoming Scream 6, whose trailer drops tomorrow, uh, is does, a yeah. fresh reinvention of the series. Uh, he said that he has seen the film, Jeez, fresh, and it, it feels like a new movie. He said he is absolutely floored by how it turned out, that it has a completely uh, new feel to it, uh, like it's a big, huge, fresh uh, re- reboot uh, imagining <laughs> of, of the series. Uh, so Kevin Williams uh, speaking uh, very excitedly about the upcoming Scream 6, which, like I said, the trailer coming tomorrow, but this will be hitting the big screen, uh, you know, in less than two months. It's hitting on March 10th of this year. going to be bigly. Huge. <laughs> going to be huge. 
Goldface is back. It's going to be great. It's going to be massive. It's going to be huge. It's going to be in New York. Trump Tower is in it. It's going to be a big cameo by me. I'm going to be like, Ghostface, you can't kill people. And Ghostface is going to come after me. It's going to be great. Okay. So Donald Trump still approves his green six, but no. That's it. Could have put up a wall and keep Ghostface out of here. <laughs> Ghostface has no place in our country. We've got to make America great again. No more Ghostfaces. We're not going to be screaming anymore. You know, it's not Woodsboro. You're in my town now, buddy. Come on, amigo. No. Uh, it's, I, I, I love when they say these things about these movies. Like, uh, they already talked about how it's going to be like the goriest scream that you've seen, and you're just going to completely forget about Nev Campbell because it's going to be so gory and so crazy. And it's, it's just going to be another movie, and hopefully it's not bad. But, like, uh, fresh reimagining, that was supposed to be Scream 5. Scream 5 was supposed to be like the new reimagining of Scream. Like, this is the old Scream. This is uh, the new Scream of 2022. But in that movie, uh, we talked about it on the show, and it just wasn't great. <laughs> you know? Isn't that what and the TV series was? Yeah, they said that too. It was, was a fresh reimagining of the Scream series. And that one at least <laughs> succeeded. The first season was good. It wasn't that. I will give you that. But then they had that VH1 series, how, uh, Scream Resurrection. I almost said Halloween because it was Resurrection. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it was Scream Resurrection. And they're like, yeah, we're bringing back the classic <laughs> mask, and we're going to do this shit, and it's going to be fucking crazy. And I'm like, man, it was fucking terrible. It was, uh, yep. the, the killer reveal was so bad. You know, it's like, yeah, I guess it's cool because they brought back the original Scream mask, but at the same time, it's, it's fucking blue. I mean, it's like I felt about Scream 5. I was like, it, it was okay. But the killer reveal, it took so much for you to kind of accept it that it takes you out of the movie. It completely takes you out once you find out why the killers are doing what they do. It's like, I just, I just want to stick with the original. Billy and Stu, they're just fucking psychopaths. And they have a plan, and they're going to execute it. It all goes wrong. You hit me with the phone, dick. Like, I, I don't feel class. so good, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bleeding out over here, man. My mom and dad are going to be so mad at me. <laughs> it's fucking classic. And then, yeah, like Scream 2 the following year, all right. And then Scream 3, fucking just so bad. Scream 4 was decent. But again, like the killer reveal of that one, it's like, oh, all right. <laughs> like the, the, the reasoning for the killers to kill becomes so, just so bad, like in these movies. But it's like you have to put a lot of fucking faith in the fact that you're going to try to buy it. And you just have to accept it as it is. That's why. If they had just left it at Scream, like we've always said, I would have been happy. But hopefully Scream 6 doesn't go the way of Jason Takes Manhattan, where it's like, hey, look, Times Square. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're in Canada. It's cool. Mm. <laughs> mm, Canada. But expect the trailer tomorrow, which I will be checking out. I'm looking forward to it, seeing what, what's new. Uh, I did see a screenshot of Ghostface in a bodega holding a shotgun. I was like, okay, we're here now. <laughs> We've officially reached him with a shotgun in a bodega in New York. So this is going to be interesting. So we'll find out. Uh, Dean, what's next? What are we talked about. Dean, he's running out of stuff. Yes. What are we talking about, Dean? I'm going to tell you there are Go. so many items. Professionalism, universal. <laughs> Shuffle some papers. Universal. You know what you're talking about. <laughs> this is what we're talking about. Universal is launching a year-round horror destination in Las Vegas. Uh, They are going to be turning their 
uh, Universal California Halloween Horror Nights into a year-round event uh, featuring both historical and upcoming films in the Universal Horror family. Uh, This is going to be a 110,000-square-foot uh, anchor tenant in a 20-acre expansion of what's called Area 15, which is an entertainment district that opened in Vegas uh, in 2020. So a year-round uh, universal horror destination. In Vegas. So there you go. There in you Vegas. It. So if you're in the area, check it out. That's awesome. If you go to we Vegas, need more of those. Check it out. I mean, that's what so I would do. I in Vegas. I don't like gambling, so I'd go there. <laughs> I'll yeah, see you guys. Go ahead, son. Yeah, have fun gambling. I'll be over here. Yeah, no, never was a fan. But. All right, so moving on, what's next? So, we have talked about how there is going to be a Crystal Lake TV series for Peacock uh, from Brian mm-hmm. Fuller, the creator of the Hannibal series. And uh, he was just attending an official... Uh, on Friday the 13th was attending last week was attending an official screening of Friday the 13th part three and participated in a Q&A afterwards where he uh, gave some uh, different information. He said that uh, the writing for this series officially starts in two weeks, uh, that they are currently working with two different scores to choose from a modern version, as well as the classic uh, Manfredini score, uh, Brian Fuller says that he has pitched to Peacock a, a, an outline of a four-season show, and Peacock wow. has officially signed on for one season, but also the way the contract is structured would have to pass, would have to pay a healthy penalty if they don't end up ordering a second season. Uh, he says that uh, one at least one episode of this series is going to be written by Kevin Williamson. He also said uh, that this series is going to be covering it all, uh, the life and times of both Pamela and Jason Voorhees. Uh, He also said that Adrian King is going to have a recurring role in the series. He has called it a pre-remakequel, and he said they can also use any elements they choose from the entire franchise. Hmm. Well, I mean, that's interesting. Um, the fact that he has like four seasons kind of plotted out and the fact that Peacock is like, yeah, man, you get this one season and if it doesn't fucking work, you're going to pay us. It's like, wow. Yeah, they, they're serious about this. But I think it'll be popular. I think people will, will dig it. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I, I'd like to see what Adrian King's involvement is going to be. Um, maybe she'll be Pamela. I mean, I think that would be fucking great if they cast her as Pamela Voorhees. And taking over for the late Betsy Palmer. Um, I think that, that would be fun to see. But we'll see, you know, what role she plays. It's a recurring character, like the, the Dean had said, so it could be that. But, um, I mean, I five and seven are my two favorites. So. Yeah, they could be kind of fun. Like I said, yeah. five and seven are my favorites. So I just have a Roy Bourne yeah. cameo in there somewhere. <laughs> hey, look, there's Plus, Roy. Yeah, hey. yeah. Plus, <laughs> Plus, I think the fans are definitely going to bite on this. Just because it's been so long since, you know, we've had a fresh project of any kind coming up for, you know, J- Jason. You know, he, he's been pushed back because of the lawsuit, you know, which we've covered immensely on, on the show. 
Yes, yes. Well, I think it was 2010. No, more than that. More yeah. than that. Yeah. 2009. 2000, uh, what? 2009 was the remake. The remake oh, was shit. 2009. Yeah. yeah. So you know, it's got you know, so fans are going to definitely jump on this, and hopefully the project is good and it's going to give us some good time. Our assholes too. So if it's bad, you know we're gonna fucking let them know. Well, oh yeah, of course, of course. Uh, fans will let them know, but I do agree that fans will be tuning in. And plus, uh, there has been and look, I I am the first one to to readily say here uh, on the program and beyond that I am one who does not watch a lot of episodic television. And mm-hmm. uh, but with that being said. I have a list of TV shows uh, 10 miles long uh, that in concept just sound incredible to me. I know I'll never watch them, and I know uh, <laughs> the level of uh, high-quality uh, television that's being created. So um, more so than you can necessarily do in you know, one feature film. So I am, I'm really curious to see what they develop and come up with here and what approach they take to being able to work with this, these characters and this material, uh, this without question uh, will be one that I certainly will be tuning in for. And I'm, I'm, I'm really curious and looking forward to seeing what they, what they come up with. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of the same way with episodic television. I don't really watch it that much. I think the last series that's new that I really tuned in for was uh, American Horror Story NYC the recent series of American Horror Story. Like, that was, like, the last episodic adventure I went on. And I loved it. It was it great. It worth it. I haven't watched fucking it. nobody talked about it. Oh, I was loved it. Was it, it any was good? I didn't good. get to watch it. Oh, I loved it. Like, because it was just very much kind of like 80s New York, but it was, like, S&M and very, like, Fulci-inspired, where it was just, like, a lot of, like, bondage and weirdness with a killer going around called Daddy. And it was just, like, it was so fucking crazy. I was like, wow. Like, the double feature... Uh, AHS, I never watched just because I was like, eh, that's a lot. But yeah, NYC, I, I was like, wow, the they really came back. We, that's where we stopped. We watched the first half of, of the double feature and completed that. Mm-hmm. But then, like, the second half of it just kind of, we just kind of lost interest in it. Yeah, and I, I heard a lot of people saying the same thing. They watched the first half and not the second, or they watched the second, not the first. And then with NYC, a lot of people were like, oh, it was on. I missed it. And then some people were like, oh, fuck yeah, dude. It's like, it's, it's great. So, yeah, I, I watched all the episodes, and I was like, it's, it's great. Um, so if you ever get around to it, I think you'll like it, too. It's, it's, it's sleazy. It's grimy. Like, it, it's perfect. Like, that's what I wanted out of an NYC type of uh, American horror story. Um, but, yeah, with, with Crystal Lake, I'll definitely be checking that out. Last of Us, I'm, I'm locked in. So, yeah, but with episodic television, like the Dean, I'm just I, – I have so many shows I want to watch, but I just never get around to them. <laughs> I forget about them, and then I just never go back. You know, like Pretty Little Liars had a season um, where it was supposed to be like a slasher that never got around to it. Now they're doing a season two, and I'm like, fuck, i got to watch the first season to see what that's like. But no, um, just, no yeah, it's troubling. I'll just end up on YouTube watching a true crime documentary or something like that. And I should be watching uh, episodic television. Or going back yeah, and watching my, my the problem. boss again. <laughs> No problem is, yeah, well, I end up watching, like, X amount of episodes and, like, getting into it, and then I just, once I lose track of it, then it becomes daunting to get back to it. And a lot of times that happens yeah, between yeah, I agree. seasons, you know, and, that, and that's what kills me there. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, it's true. It happens. It's happened with a lot of shows. Um, like when Dexter New Blood came out, I watched maybe the first two episodes, completely yep. fucking forgot about it. And, and then it came out yep. on DVD, and I'm like, I'll just buy the DVD set. And I still haven't watched it. It's <laughs> sitting on my shelf, <laughs> waiting for me to finish it up. And I have all these people that I'm friends with that love Dexter like me, and they're like, oh, my God, did you see it? I'm like, ah, oh, the first two. I got to go back and watch the rest. <laughs> And it's still sitting on my shelf being like, why don't you watch me? You're watching fucking Toxic Avenger again for the 80th time. Like, I will get to you, all right? <laughs> no, I swear. <laughs> One of these weekends, I'm popping you open. We're going to watch it. Yeah, but you're watching Tales from the Dark Side now. It's like, yeah, but I'm in the mood for that. I'm not in the mood for Dexter. <laughs> so it's just, it's, it's crazy the way I go with TV shows. But all right. Anyway, Dean, moving on. Uh, as we had talked about, John Larroquette. Uh, you know, talking a lot in the media lately with the upcoming uh, updated version of the the night court came out to come, but uh, I'm, I'm I'm certainly curious about it. Oh, it it came out this past Tuesday or next Tuesday? Tuesday, last Tuesday, first two episodes. Oh, all right, so it's it, it's already out there. Um, I I love yep. the original it's on Peacock. show. Oh, me too. It's on Peacock or Paramount. Peacock. Peacock. Ah, cool. Uh, I'm going to check it out later because I was a big fan of the original Night Court show. Um, Me too. Love Dan Fielding. Yes. Anyway, uh, but he, uh, you know, with, you know, doing a lot of press in the mainstream media, asking him about questions through his career, uh, he has once again said that uh, his voice narration in uh, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, he did as a favor and was paid in weed. That had long been a rumor that he has confirmed. He said that uh, in 1969... He was bartending in a Colorado resort where, where he met uh, Ho- Mr. Hooper, and they became friends. And when uh, John Larroquette moved to L.A. to, to pursue a career in entertainment, uh, Hooper had asked for help on the new film uh, that he was working on, and Larroquette agree- agreed to come in and, and do the voice work narration for, like I said, uh, he was paid, uh, paid in green, um, but he was paid in wheat. Which, yeah, I remember you said, put that on the Facebook page. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yes. And uh, he also said that uh, he has never seen uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre or any of the films in the Chainsaw Massacre series because, uh, you know, horror movies are just not his thing. No, they're not. And they brought him back for uh, a couple of the movies, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D, and they also brought him back for the recent one to do a narration. But, yeah, like when you posted it on the, the, the group chat, I was like, really? Like, this has been known as fact for, like, ages. But for some reason, all of a sudden, everybody's out there on Variety.com and all these websites going, he got paid in weed. I'm like, well, Toby Hooper on the original uh, audio commentary said, I literally paid him in joints. And he smoked some weed, he did the narration, it was great, and the rest is history. So I was like, why is it now that we're finding out about this? But I don't know. It's just, I think it's just because of Night Court. And people just you know boasting up and talking about his early career, but yeah, you know the the both episodes are on Peacock. You can check them out. Um, I just I've always loved the right, character cool. Dan Fielding. Kind of sad that that uh, Harry Anderson isn't around anymore, and Marky Post isn't around anymore, and Charles Robinson. They're all dead, but they they made they made a good effort in the first two. Yeah, so. you know one of anyway, one of the things uh, you know I just want to comment very briefly since we're talking about it. And uh, what I had read about the new Night Court show, and and there were no spoilers attached to it, was that. Uh, like the first episode was decent. Uh, I guess the mm-hmm. first, maybe the first three episodes were made available to to the the press, and 
apparently the first episode was decent, but by the second episode, uh, what I saw was that it settled into like a really nice groove and, uh, you know, just all of the performers in their roles felt like very natural. Like these were their actual, uh, that their characters were actual people with a, with a totally legit and similar vibe and look to the original show and not, but, but while not feeling, while not feeling derivative, and not feeling dated either. So um, I'm really curious nice. to check it out. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to check that. it out too. Uh, I was a fan of Night Court as well. Uh, probably not as, as large as the two of you guys, um, but I did enjoy catching it whenever I did. Um, but also because, A, you know, like John Larroquette, you know, obviously, you know, he, he's like one of those, those people that I just remember from my childhood. Um, again, like I remember mm-hmm. there's a movie called Madhouse. Blind Date. The Alley, which was, was fucking Madhouse. I remember that movie. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. was a lot of fun. Um, but also we have a, uh, a local in the new Night Court as well. Melissa Rauch, who's playing the judge character, is from Marlboro, New Jersey. Uh, you know, so she, yeah. she grew up right, right around here. She was uh, in the Big Bang Theory as a character named uh, Bernadette. So, so that was a that, yeah. that obviously was quite quite successful, and and I wish her well with this one as well. Yeah, hopefully you check it out. But all right, Dean, what's next? What are we talking about? Uh, the last thing that I want to talk about, as I am trying to keep to the minute to to please the king on the night of his film, uh, <laughs> the, the last thing I I There's do no want to say, king. and this one <laughs> is uh, this one is. Um, interesting to me uh there is going to be what is called the straight cut um of gaspar noe's 2002 film irreversible which starred monica bellucci and vincent cassell i love that movie. um oh, that God, that, that film it, was man. yeah that that film <laughs> as we know has has a very a very extensive and brutal graphic rape sequence Ooh, um, it sure does but that film you know the original film is is very um, disorienting, disorienting to watch as it plays out, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of in, in reverse, reverse order uh, from the end mm-hmm. to the beginning, uh, opening up with the, you know, what does stand out in my mind is the absolutely insane, violent, brutal uh, fire extinguisher sequence with Matenia. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. uh, coming uh, real soon, uh, they have, uh, created the straight cut where they have completely re-edited the film and are going to be showing it where it plays out in a traditional narrative fashion. Uh, this recutting and, and creating this film well, in chronolo- chronological order yes, they did. Uh, is going to have this film be shortened by five minutes and there is going to be a brief theatrical run uh, the current dates, uh, a perfect movie for Valentine's Day on February 14th. You'll be able to see this movie in Philadelphia. <laughs> on February 17th, we'll be playing in Denver. On February 24th, it will be playing in San Francisco, Chicago, Austin, and Riley. And on March 17th, it will be playing in Atlanta. Though they do say more cities are going to be announced soon. So if you've ever wanted to see uh, Noe's Irreversible in chronological order, uh, irreversible. The straight cut is on the way. You know, they also That's did that with Sin City. And yes, they, they recut did. Sin City so that it's in chronological order. And, you know, same thing with Memento for that. 
I uh, I don't like it done that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel I like the, the way it was originally presented, it lends something to the narrative. It gives you that yes. whole, oh, wow, that's why that happened that way. And when you actually put it in the correct order, everything kind of loses an effect. And, and like I, again, like I, I own that version of Sin City, and I remember watching it the one time and being like, wow, this action, if this movie came out like this, I would not like it as much as I actually mm-hmm. enjoy the original movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's, with, and with Memento, it's like the way it was shot, the way it was done, also leaves you constantly guessing about who's telling the truth, who's working the angle. Mm-hmm. And then when they went and did yeah. the other cut, it's like all, all of that part was taken away. It was straight. Yeah, yo, what the fuck? What's his true motive? You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. what you're spending the entire film figuring out. Like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Well, oh, man, he's gotten fucked over. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute. This really is fucked up. I remember watching Memento the first time and being, like, blown away by that movie. Yeah, we do. We watched oh, it yeah. together the first time, man. Well, okay. Um, and, and yeah, one of the things that I specifically remember, too, as far as the experience of watching Irreversible, because I, you know, I've seen it, like, if it's if the movie's twenty years old, I've seen it. I've seen it eighteen years ago. You know, like I've seen it like right when it hit the mm. video store. Like I actually rented the tangible media to watch it. And um, and uh, what I remember is like the first. And I don't remember how many minutes, but the first several minutes is just like the camera moving in this like weird circular motion, like spiraling with like this kind of weird like dark reddish like like stroby light effect with some with some like kind of like trancy pulsing like but like paranoid sounding music uh before it focuses in to to start the action it was like very like disconcerting and confusing and uh yeah you know kind of setting you up for the fucking trip that the movie is that you're gonna go on and watching mm-hmm. that crazy ass film um but that's one of the things that i remember which kind of draws you into that bizarre fucking world and bizarre story. So if you're rotating that around and you're going to end with that kind of spiral out, I mean, maybe it'll have the same effect, but I felt like they did such a good job kind of playing with your senses and like kind of getting you all disoriented to start off. So. Yeah. As it should be, you know, it should be a movie that makes you uncomfortable, you know? And like, and again, like, we're into CNC play and things like that. You know what I mean? So, so you, you know, when I first heard about like this, this, this vaunted sequence that occurs, you know, to Monica Bellucci, mm-hmm. who I also find to be quite a, quite a striking actress oh, as well. I gorgeous. like her, her look. Yeah. Um, you know, we were like, all right, you know, we're going to, we're going to set things up. We're going to have a good time. And then, uh, but then, no, you you know, you watch that movie, and yeah, every everything about it is just so fucking uncomfortable that you're like, yeah, I can't even get off on this, man. <laughs> That's true. Um, it, it it is one of those movies. Um, okay, so want to get into my movie pick of the week, Possession, from 1981, yeah, directed by Andre Zulowski. Yeah, let's get into it. <laughs> so. The movie is about a woman named Anna who is exhibiting increasingly disturbing behavior after asking her husband, Mark, for a divorce. Suspicions of infidelity soon give way to something much more sinister. Uh, So this is one of those movies where it was incredibly hard to find for a number of years. Um, I first heard about it because of the Horror Etc. podcast, 
uh, with past guests Anthony D.P. Mann and Kingstown Ted. They were talking about like uncomfortable movies and movies that are about divorce and breakups. Um, I found it on IFC years ago, and then never again. Like it's impossible to find like a quality copy. I eventually found a VHS rip on DVD when the monkey and I went to a convention. So I bought that. But then Shutter was like, guess what, guys? 2023, we're giving it to you. The uncut, clean cut of possession, you know, running at two hours and four minutes. So enjoy. And I was like, dude, I've been waiting to fucking talk about this movie for so long in the show. It's finally here. I can fucking do it. I'm just, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Sam Neill in this movie. I'm a fan of Isabella Johnny. The fact that it's a marriage breaking down, but then all of a sudden there's a fucking weird creature that gets involved. And the movie, when it picks off, it's like, okay, well, we're dealing with arguments and we're dealing with the breaking of a marriage. But then all of a sudden, the director's like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just go into murder and creatures and fucked up shit. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so here we are with Possession. So that being said, uh, Ghoul, what do you think about Possession? Okay, so, so I'm going to preface it like this. You... Last week, because of, you know, comments that were made, specifically how you pick movies, you know, hoping yeah. that the movies what that comments? you're picking are movies that were that, – well, he said that he picks movies yeah. that yep. he hopes I that we like. <laughs> right? Okay. Well, of course you know. I know you know because you're the one who then proceeded to, to go off on them. You know, as 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 the dean does. Go off, by go off. I mean, you by go did. off, I mean you made you made a fucking a comment. But but I like to to exaggerate things. Surprise. So anyway, so you go off on about <laughs> it, and you're like, well, you shouldn't pick movies to make people like them. Pick movies that you want to pick. Pick things that you want to watch. That's what the show is about. And you know, yes. so so of course the king, the king, said, you know what? Then you all are going to hate my next pick pretty much because it's a movie that he felt that most of us were going to, to dislike. So, so going yes. into this movie, I was pretty much, I had nothing, I had no fucking idea about this film. I know nothing about it. I've never heard of it before. I've never seen a trailer, nothing at all. And that's how I like it, you know? So, so I entered this film with the mindset of great. I'm about to go on one of the King's fucking wonderful giallo esque like, this is just going to be a fucking nonsensical early 80s fucking movie that I'm going to absolutely <laughs> fucking hate. And as the movie unfolded, okay, I watched the first 35 minutes of it last night, and it was fucking uncomfortable, and it was shitty. And I'm watching these two fucking people that you, you, you know at some point or another must have had some kind of relationship, and you were just watching this, this, this disillusion of that, you know, occurring. Um, it, it reminded me of that that movie that came out with uh, with Black Widow and and fucking Kylo Ren, uh, the a Marriage Story or whatever it was a couple of years yeah. ago. Yeah. It was like an Oscar mm -hmm. Oscar movie. Yeah. I watched the rest of the film today. Now again, I watched the thirty five minutes, and in my head today, I'm like, man, I really can't fucking wait to get home after work and watch the fucking rest of this fucking divorce movie and all this bullshit. Because I'm sitting there thinking to myself now. Like, there's no possession. Like, this isn't, like, a spiritual possession movie. This is, like, no. possession of, like, their their relationship and, and how he controls her or she controls him. And, like, this is, this is what I'm going to be watching. But then I'm watching the movie, and, like, 
I'm getting into it more and more. And I got, like, like, sucked completely into this fucking bizarre fucking thing that was going on. This movie is like a bad fucking acid trip at times. It was wild. And you know what? By the time this movie was, was over, whereas I might not like the ending all that much, I did end up very much enjoying this film. So thank you, King. I had a great time watching this oh. movie. Well, you're welcome. I'm glad that you had a good time. Uh, Dean, what did you think about Possession? So my common, my common comments for, for films like this of this era is uh, just the one thing I want to say, as I often do, has to do with uh, time and pacing. Uh, this is a long film, and I feel that, you know, this would have been uh, much more effective for me if it was like, I don't know, 25 minutes shorter. I feel like there was just a lot of that extra stuff in movies from this era that isn't necessarily like needed like scenes of characters just like walking all the way up the steps to get to where they're going as opposed to like an edit from them arriving and knocking on the door just little things like that but uh you mean scenes of the uh, detective following her (laughs) yes exactly you know like those (laughs) are just little things but that's what that's just those are just hallmarks those are just hallmarks of, of filmmaking from the era and uh, we've said that for, for all different styles of horror movies that we've watched from, like, the 70s and early 80s. Um, you know, we've said this countless times over the years on our show. Now, uh, aside from that, one, it was – it took me – I knew that you said it on the show, but I totally forgot about it last weekend. But I didn't notice yeah. the name in the credits. It was so interesting to see Sam Neill in, in a role as, as such a yeah. young, younger uh, performer than uh, what I – imagine when I think of Sam Neill. So that was interesting. And I thought his performance Dr. Alex uh, Grant, was really you. good. Um, yeah. Yes. And I also uh, thought that uh, Isabella, Aja- is it pronounced Ajani, I'm guessing. Ajani, uh, yes. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm thinking that her performance uh, was magnificent as well. And uh, like, this was like a cool, bizarre mind funk of a story that just, you weren't really sure exactly what direction things were heading. It kind of kept you guessing. And, you know, uh, I'm not going to go as far as say that I completely loved this film, but, but this was an enjoyable watch for me. All right. Monkey, what would you think about Possession? I had no idea what the fuck was going on. Holy <laughs> <laughs> shit. I, I, I had no fucking idea. Okay. Uh, like, because I had to go back and read the IMDb afterwards be like, what the fuck did I just watch? Uh, and then cross-reference it more than, against the wiki. And I'm guessing uh, whoever fucking wrote the wiki page uh, must have been the fucking screenwriter for the movie because that's what you're sitting here that I didn't fucking get, okay? Like, you know, the, sh- the fact that, he, you know, he's a fucking spy. I was like, where the fuck did they say he's a fucking spy? It was like, he was off of work. He's doing this shit, you know? And, you know, we need you back to do more work. And then none of that happened. And... and Oh, fuck, the movie was like 75% of people just fucking arguing. It was like watching that shitty-ass uh, Bruce Willis and Debbie Moore movie, you know, you know, all over again. Or watching fucking Barfly, you know. <laughs> and the way that he kept, uh, Sam Neill kept acting, it was making me think like he had a split personality going on. And she... He had a split personality. She was the one having to deal with it. So she was going nuts having to deal with whichever personality was coming into the room at the time. You know, is what was making me think because he kept 
going out of room, changing his face, coming back in, then going back out, then come back in, fucking screaming again, then go out, and then go comfort the kid, and then go back and fix his face, come back and be like, oh, I love you, I love you, then come back, scream, scream, and then she's fucking throwing a tantrum all the time. I mean, she's not throwing a tantrum, she's just fucking looking like she's got a fucking bad acid trip and just stare off into space the entire fucking time, like trying to do this weird ass fucking shake, you know, and not saying anything. It's just, it was a very, very confusing movie. And then when we get into the cool part where we sit there and have some live action fucking hentai, I was like, oh, right, so we're fucking going here, just fucking cool. But it doesn't explain where the fuck it came from, why it was there, like, was it summoned, was it an alien, was it, you know, it's, like you say to me, King, with a lot of stuff, was like, why? You know, why now is this thing here? Or, you know, then that had me even more confused going, or was she actually a doppelganger too, and then trying to create more doppelgangers by, you know, having fucking cheap motel sex, you know, and she was never really his wife throughout the, this entire time in the movie. And then, why is it? <laughs> Like, I know this was, like, right around the time of, like, you know, fucking, you know, Lou Reed and David Boyd, you know, doing Berlin and stuff like that. It's, like, he was making Berlin as, like, this all of a sudden, like, safe haven for homosexuals where it's, like, all the homosexuals are coming to Berlin. And everyone's hanging out here like it's a fucking birdcage. It was just all weird mixed up. And, like, by the end of it, I was just so fucking confused. I had no idea what the fuck I mean, I heard some of it. I don't know where you are. Man. Like, I, I heard some of it. <laughs> are you rubbing it on yourself? I mean, I don't understand, but okay. Um, so, I mean, now you we know it's like... on your pussy? <laughs> Motherfucker, I got well, I mean, so worked up that my microphone shifted around. Fuck it. Well, there we go. <laughs> now we're back. But anyway, now you know what I felt about Legend. So that's exactly what I felt about that movie. But I was confused the entire time. I had no idea what was going on. And it, it is kind of cool to see uh, 1981 Berlin with the wall still up. You know, no Hasselhoff in sight. Um, this movie was also heavily edited for its U.S. release when it first came out, and it was taken down to like 95 minutes, excluding a lot of the stuff that's in this full cut. And in the U.K., it's still banned as a video nasty. So um, just some fun facts about mm. that. Um, but as we get into the movie... Like we had said, we're in 1981 Berlin with the wall intact. Mark is returning home to his wife, Anna, and young son, Bob, after a period of time away. And upon his arrival, bags in hand, we see that things are not so stable between the two. Anna isn't sure if she wants Mark staying with her and their son. Mark doesn't know what he wants her to do. Should I stay in a hotel? What do you want me to do? Anna's like, fuck it, I really don't care. So she leaves, and he eventually comes upstairs and gets settled in. And he's watching his son, Bob, take a bath. Come, let us adore him. Like, I love that fucking line. <laughs> you know, just to talk about his son taking a bath. Because you can tell he does love Bob. Um, but then we cut to that night, and as they lay in bed naked together, Anna questioning if she's in the wrong here and asks if Mark has been unfaithful. He says, not really. So awkward. And then asks her the same question, and she says, No. But feelings change. Mark wants to stay with her, but he doesn't want her anymore physically. Like, he's done with the sexual aspect, but he does want her around. So the next day, we find out that Mark is a spy, as he meets with a group of men and debriefs them on the espionage mission that he was on. They say they want to rehire him, but he's unable to do another job for them. 
He has a family, and they should hire someone else, maybe a successor. He's also asked about a man in pink socks, which may come up later. Mark leaves the meeting and opens up his briefcase, which burning with cash. And upon returning home, he finds out that Anna is gone. He falls asleep on the floor of the living room and awakens when the phone rings. It's Anna, and she is downtown. She needs time to think about herself. Mark asks where she is, but she hangs up. Mark goes on a fucking tear, looking through everything that she has in the apartment, eventually finding a book that contains a postcard saying, I've seen half of God's face here. The other half is you, Heinrich. Ooh, Anna, she be cheating. So this is why Mark eventually going to downfall. So Mark calls Margie and his only friend and asks if she's been cheating on him. She admits that it's been happening for a long time. Mark says that it isn't proper the way things are going, but Margie has already hung up. Anna calls back and tells him that it's over. She admits to having someone and for a long time. She sleeps with him and likes it more than she did with Mark. He asks her to meet at the Cafe Einstein, but that's too far because he's at her lover's place. And then he's like, uh, I'll meet you there anyway. And she's like, yeah, but I'm here with him. She's cool. <laughs> she's steadfast on that. But she eventually meets him at the Cafe Einstein, where he agrees to give Anna 800 a month for Bob. And she wants to keep the apartment. And I like the framing of this scene because Mark is sitting on one side of the couch and Anna is on the other with a mirror behind him. So it's like he's on one corner, she's on the other they're not making eye contact. They're just kind of sitting there talking to each other. And Mark admits that he doesn't want to see Bob at all. He doesn't have it in him to fuck up his life anymore. He's like, it's already fucked up, so I'll give you the money. I just don't want to see him again because I want him to have a normal childhood. He was unable to be a full-time father and would rather not be his Sunday daddy. And Mark continues to be upset that Anna is banging somebody else, which leads Mark to just fucking go on a tear and destroy Cafe Einstein. As Anna yeah, runs away screaming. He went fucking nuts, screaming and tossing shit. <laughs> it's funny, it's so funny. Like, like it, they're all so traditional still in, in, in kitchens over there that all the chefs come running out and they have their toques on their fucking head. It's fucking dying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're tackling him to the ground, and he's just screaming the entire time. And then we cut the same yeah, time later, as we now know. It's like fucking yeah. Jersey Housewives. Motherfucking. <laughs> 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 So we cut to some time later, and now Mark has a beard growing as he makes a call to an unknown woman, and he's unable to speak. Ma, ma, or maybe he's calling his mother. We don't really know because he's been in a drunken fucking funk this entire time. We see bottles and beer cans everywhere. He's not in a good place. He's rocking back and forth in bed. He's shaking at We've some all point. We've been there. So he's obviously... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So Anna must be one kind of a fucking lover for Mark to lose his fucking mind in such a destructive, drunken way. Mark returns home and finds Bob all alone. He's been abandoned by Anna, and he's unkempt. He's eating jam, and he's saying that Anna said she's going to be away for a while, and Margie called and said, be strong. But then once his father's there, he's like, hey, look, look at this boat that Uncle Heinrich got me. Isn't it cool? And he's like, I fucking hate that boat, dude. Like, I fucking hate Heinrich, and I hate that (laughs) boat. But at the same time, like, you feel bad for Bob, because Bob is such an innocent fucking kid, and he's kind of stuck in this fucking situation with two parents that fucking just hate each other. Um, you know, and seeing him unkempt, seeing him eating fucking jam on the floor, like, I fell for him. Uh, like, this poor kid's been left by himself for who knows how long. Days, a week, you know, we don't know. But he's just there. Yeah, you know? a few hours. Mm. <laughs> but it's for so, Just 15 minutes. See, see, and that's what happens. <laughs> Probably. And he's 
So he decides to give Bob a bath, but he discovers something wrong about Bob. Maybe he's looking at his chest and, and feeling his back. So we don't know if there's bruises or whatever. Um, we never really go back to it. Uh, but later, once he's clean shaven, Mark is still at home as Anna returns, and he's fucking rocking the shit out of that fucking rocking chair. Just rocking back and forth, real fucking hardcore. And he tells her I'm that trying he's taking to over relax. The- <laughs> <laughs> So he tells her that he's taking over the apartment and that she can see Bob whenever she wants. He demands that she call Heinrich and tell him that it's over right now, but she can't. She has to tell Heinrich face to face. Mark tells her if you want to stay, you better make that fucking call. She does it, so Mark's like, all right, we're done. I'm packing all your shit. So he starts grabbing all her dresses, putting it in the suitcases. But it stops at that point because we cut to later. Mark undresses Anna and notices again something might be wrong with her like Bob. And then puts her to bed, and we find out in the middle of the night, Heinrich calls and tells Mark that Anna is with him and will stay with him. As Mark collapses onto the bed, we see a note left from Anna saying she has to go see Marie and that she would never hurt him again. Is this true, or is she with Heinrich? Mark gets Heinrich's number from Margie, but he gets Heinrich's mom instead, who says that Anna has been around in a while, and she misses her. So he's like, oh, damn it. (laughs) Heinrich's got her, and I want her back, and the mom likes her. I guess he's fucked up. So he comes in the next day, and Mark meets Helen, Bob's teacher, and she looks exactly like Anna, except with green eyes. Mark can't believe it and even thinks that he's being tricked, but Helen is not Anna. Just she has a striking resemblance. And she even asks, like, have you ever met Anna? She's like, of course, a couple times. Like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't see it. <laughs> you don't even know Anna, man. It just goes to show, too, though, that you know what? Sometimes, man... All it takes is a hair color, uh, a hair change, a little bit of makeup differential, and then the eye color. Dude, Helen is so much like Anna's hot, but Helen is so much hotter than Anna. Oh, completely. Yeah, especially with that braid, you know, and those green eyes and that mm-hmm. soft look. So after this exchange, Mark eventually reaches Heinrich's apartment, and he's asking him if he called him the other night. He's like, I couldn't have called you. I just arrived back from Hamburg. Like I just got back. So. No, I, I didn't make that call. And he's like, you know, well, I need to know where uh, Anna is. And then the two eventually get into a fight where Heinrich just fucking beats the fuck out of Mark. Just punching him in the face, kicking him, blooding him up. And then he eventually just picks up Mark and just carries him out of the apartment. Because <laughs> like, he wants to caress his body. <laughs> So he eventually just, like I said, he, he just gets Mark out of his apartment. So Anna now is back at home with Bob as Mark arrives. They get into another heated argument over where she was, and she goes, I'm a whore. I fucked everybody. I don't want anything to do with you. And then he eventually tells her to fuck your needs, and she slaps him, and then he slaps her back. So when she tries to leave, Mark throws her down and slaps her several times, this time drawing blood. He tells her that this beating is for her lies, and she says, well, you'll have to add much more. I'm like, Anna, stop. <laughs> Just stop. <laughs> he's on a slapping fight. You know, he's on a slapping fit. He don't want to get this. But Anna eventually grabs her coat and leaves with Mark chasing after her, continuing their argument into the streets. Anna nearly gets struck by a truck, which eventually crashes, dumping its payload. And with her mouth covered in blood, Anna gets away from Mark. And then a bunch of kids show up playing kickball. Mark's like, yeah, let's play kickball. And then he fucking runs off with the kids playing kickball. <laughs> He's obviously cool. See, again, this is where Lots it was like, people like, to, like the weird-ass personality changes. <laughs> yeah, like, it, like it's a switch. Like, yeah, monkey, like, I agree with that. It's like a switch. 
Like, now the argument's over. She's run away. So he's like, oh, I'm happy again. Margie shows up with a cast on her leg, and she tells Martha she'll look after her. I get Bob. that. He loathes I Margie. get that completely, and man. And she loves him. I, I feel his pain. <laughs> mm-hmm. But as Margie is talking to him, she's looking at his sweater, and she eventually pulls it off. And then later, Mark decides to hire a private investigator named Zimmerman to follow Anna for a few days. That night, Mark returns Not home. Not very well. <laughs> no, we'll see why. Uh, he puts blankets over Bob and Margie. And then he has a weird moment with Margie where she kind of puts her head into his lap, but they don't fuck. They just he cut to the next scene, which it, I was waiting for them to just start fucking. Like, for some reason, I was like, you know I what? They're going to fuck, sex. too. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't happen. It's just it's a weird moment that just really doesn't go anywhere. But then we cut to Anna returning home the following day, and she breaks out a plate and an electric knife. She begins slicing up meat as she and Mark once again get into a heated argument. And this ends with Anna cutting herself on the neck with the knife, and then Mark eventually decides to cut himself on the arm just to feel something. Good thing that Bob has been at school the entire time and, you know, not at home to witness his parents fucking cutting themselves with an electric knife. So Mark tends to Anna and wraps her neck up in a bandage, and that's when she decides to leave as Mark is bleeding in the kitchen. She wants him to go pick up Bob together, but she's like, yeah, nah, I'm good. You know, the whole the neck wound thing and your arm, yeah, it sucks. So I'm going to leave. So later we find out that Zimmerman has been following Anna. He tracks her down to an old rundown apartment building, but Anna realizes he's following her. Zimmerman tries to pretend like he's not following her at all, but runs up the stairs and kind of stomp, stomp, stomp. Oh, my God. Like, like this entire stairs. scene. It's like, dude, you're a private <laughs> investigator. Don't you know how to fucking, like, you know, tell someone without making it fucking obvious? It's, just, it's like, you <laughs> know, he says, yes, no. And he, t- you know, w- when he gets hired, he, you know, he tells them, yeah, we do this kind of stuff all the time. Yeah, it's cool. Don't worry about it. It's just, mm-hmm. He might as well be whistling the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, and yeah, the, I love the drunk on the fucking subway train that's sitting next to Anna, and he finds the bananas in her bag, and he just takes one, and he's just like, I'm going to eat it. <laughs> she just does nothing. Just stares straight ahead the entire time as Zimmerman is watching her and trying to figure out what to do. Um, so he eventually calls someone, presumably Mark, and gives him the address. And then Zimmerman returns back to the building and rings the bell to the apartment where Anna ran into. The door slowly opens and Zimmerman enters. He tells her that he works for the landlord and then he has to check the windows. Anna's acting scared the entire time and tells him that he needs to leave. And then real quickly he changes his story and says he's actually working for the police and he's investigating a case that they have. And then she's like, all right, well, you know, I guess you can stay check out the place if you need to, as she, you know, is just walking around the apartment. So Zimmer searches the apartment. She begins creeping him behind him and offers him a glass of wine, which she ends up dropping the bottle, crashing it to the ground. And that's when Zimmerman walks into the bathroom and discovers a gross creature dripping and leaking in the bathroom. And that's when he's quickly stabbed in the neck by Anna using the broken wine bottle. We later see Helen visiting Mark at home, she wants to talk to Anna about Bob, but Mark tells her that she's no longer there. Heinrich also shows up looking for Anna, and he's doing the funkiest fucking 1981 dance you could possibly think of as he's talking to Mark, putting his hands up to his face, twirling around, you know, really not sure what the fuck is going on with him. Um, but Mark tells Heinrich, fine, I like you, and I'll tell you where Anna lives, 
maybe she'll be with another lover by the time you reach her. Huh, Heinrich, you fuck. And he's like, oh, no, I could never do that. Like, you know, he and Heinrich is fucking devastated to find out that she might be fucking somebody else. So you have this weird fucking, you know, this back and forth between Mark and Heinrich where Mark thinks he has the upper hand. He's going to give her the address, and he can go there and decide for himself. So Helen decides to spend the day and the night with Bob and Mark. We also see that while looking identical like Anna, she is the polar opposite. She's very sweet and attentive and caring. So they decide they're just going to lay in bed naked together. Fuck it. Why not? I mean, they don't fuck because she's like, you know, we don't have to have sex if you don't want to. And he's like, yeah, probably not. I don't know. Let's just lay here with the chicks out. Warm glow. Mm-hmm. So Bob wakes up screaming in the middle of the night for his mom, and Mark comforts him. Helen later leaves that same night apologizing okay. and saying she made okay. a mistake. So, so hold on. Mark comforts yeah. him. Now, as, as a parent, and Monkey, I know, I know you, you as well, this scene, right, is, is completely fine and normal. Until he walks the fuck out of the room and you realize he doesn't even have underwear on. So like he was like he and I get that he's naked. kid and everything, but like he's butt ass naked holding his kid, his fucking his hog fucking flopping high, you know his little velociraptor down there. <laughs> like I don't know, man, you gotta fucking you gotta throw some shorts on or something. You, you, you're not going to go care for your kid with your fucking schlong out. Um, I I gotta admit there are times where it's like something has happened, like it's an emergency, and when you hear That's your kid screaming. You go running, you know, and then afterwards, well, you you're like, oh, fuck, I fine. need to sit there and put <laughs> Afterwards, you're like, oh, fuck, I got to put a blanket on or some shit. <laughs> but, you know, but also it's like because the teacher had talked who about has his naked in their house. <laughs> I, I do. Uh, Monkey does. <laughs> yeah, Monkey puts naked all the time. Except Luckily for when Andy sits over that apparently my then I wear my banana hammocks, you know. <laughs> yeah. Do you what? fart in your bed? Yeah, he does. What? Everybody farts in their bed. Okay, so you naked sleep in your bed, butt ass naked, blowing yeah. shit, fucking gas <laughs> out your asshole, <laughs> naked in your bed. So you're basically sleeping in shit. That's gross. Not everyone is like you where they pepper their butt with the finest of silks <laughs> and, you know, wipe your hiney all, all, all with your little silken wet naps and all this kind of shit. I know you man, like the I booty. Hope you, okay. I hope you clean your ass, man, but either way, even with my clean, <laughs> yes, shiny clean asshole, ass. but I, even but with I also my wash asshole, I fucking powder, powder clean, what's up inside I also of completely, your ass when you I, I, com- I completely wash the bed sheets. I completely wash the bed all the time. Well, there you go. So, answer. <laughs> um, so, following that exchange, um, Mark meets a man. Mark eventually meets with a man who says that Zimmerman has gone missing. He wants the address that Mark got. The man doesn't want to involve the police because he's really Zimmerman's lover. They're gay, and he wants to find out where he went. So, the man arrives at the apartment and hears Anna scrubbing the floor. He tells Anna that they need to talk. He asks if she's seen Zimmerman, but she dodges the question and scares the man. She tells him that Zimmerman is in the other room. So uneasily, the man goes into the room and finds a bloody tentacled creature, and Anna appears behind him saying that she is tired. This creature has made love to her all night and needs rest. Zimmerman's body is discovered by the man, and he immediately reaches for a gun, shooting at Anna, who freaks out, then beats him before stealing his own gun and shooting him dead. <laughs> 
bang, 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 like, and he is gone. <laughs> and it gives no fucks at this point. She is not beyond murder. <laughs> she knows that Dude, she has and did, did, body. And did it not... Did it not look like she did two taps to the chest and then she actually did the last shot to his dick? To his balls, yeah. She yep. shot to the chest, one of the balls. <laughs> so, Mark returns home and finds a package waiting for him. Rule number it's a two, film double rule, tap. Which he watches. <laughs> it looked like that so, was triple tap. She, she was tired of regular human dick. <laughs> she wanted some of that, you know, space dick. She didn't want no more of that planet Earth dick. <laughs> So he finds a film reel which he watches, and it's a film of Heinrich recording Anna as she teaches a ballet class. It turns out that she's a pretty hardcore and strict teacher, pretty much torturing one of her students to have a perfect pose and, and stay in that formation until the student breaks out in tears and runs away. And then she's later on camera giving her reasons as to why she cheated on Mark. And then later, when Anna returns to the apartment and tears the place apart, saying she has to do laundry, uh, this is probably one of the most well-known sequences in this movie, and she explains to Mark that while he was gone, she had a violent and bloody miscarriage in a subway, which resulted in a nervous breakdown. And this, again, like I said, this is the scene that people talk about when they talk about possession. Because you have Anna at a church and being uncomfortable looking at the statue of Jesus, goes down to the subway, starts heavily breathing, starts screaming, breaks the bags of groceries, starts writhing on the fucking ground, screaming at the top of her lungs until eventually you see blood and white liquid pouring out from beneath her legs, out of her mouth, and out from behind her neck as she's just Dude. screaming her fucking head off. This fucking sequence was something, man. I mean, talk right? about masterfully performed. It was so uncomfortable to watch. You couldn't take your fucking eyes off of it. Like, she was selling the shit out of it. Now, you know, I know after, like, this movie fucked this actress up quite a bit. Uh, yeah, it did. Yeah. She actually mm-hmm. tried, she tried to kill herself after this film. Yep. Uh, even the ghoul girl mm-hmm. was in here for this sequence, and uh, she left about halfway through because she had to go somewhere, so she didn't see the end result. You know, and for all of, like, a split second, when, when she dropped to her knees and that little bit of white liquid started coming out of her mouth, I was like, yes. Then she started to melt from, like, other areas yeah. of her body, and it just wasn't pretty. There was, like, green in there. There was fucking white in there. There was blood coming out of her fucking ears. I was, like, I was horrified but completely mesmerized. I mean, this was fucking phenomenal to watch. This is the stuff that I love about movie making. Like, this was, like, the perfect yeah. scene of this movie. And just, you know, the... <gasps> and just falling to the ground and screaming at the top of her lungs, smashing all the groceries. Like, it's, it's the highlight of the movie in terms of, of sequences, where it's just Isabella Johnny going fucking completely insane, you know, to get this miscarriage scene shot. Um, but Heinrich eventually makes it to the creepy apartment that Anna has been using, and he tries to convince her to be with him. And in a seducing way, he manages to touch her body and goes, let's go to the bedroom. So that's when Heinrich finds the creature in another room. It is now formed of mouth and eyes. Heinrich freaks the fuck out and runs out of the room, eventually finding the fridge being full of rotting body parts, including the lover of Zimmerman's head in the bottom drawer. So she attacks him with a knife, and he flees. Once gone, oh, he begins to undress in front of the creature. No, it was the lover. Um, if you rewind it, you'll see it's the lover. Oh, it's just no, like no, the no. Face I, and the 
Oh, yeah. The Lover. Yeah. So, the because lover. I don't think we ever got his name. I, I watched Lumber it. Like Lumber. I said, I don't think we ever got his name. He was just a lover. So Heinrich calls Mark and begs him to pick him up. He tells him that he'll meet him at a corner bar and to lead a while. And this, I love the fact that he we need, a, we need a jilted man lover tag team team up. But anyway, yes, I, Fucking I love the fact that I like Heinrich. <laughs> that Heinrich is begging him for help, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll help you. Stay at the corner bar, but bleed a while." Like I just because he fucking hates him, <laughs> but he's willing to help. Like he's willing to try to do something. Um, so we see that Mark arrives at Anna's creepy apartment and finds it completely empty except for the fridge full of body parts, which causes him to freak out. Mark takes the gun from the fridge. And then he makes it to the bar where Heinrich is. The men meet in the bathroom of the bar where Mark kills him using the lid of a toilet bowl and then hides the body in a stall to make it look accidental by fucking pushing his fucking head into the bowl of the toilet. So he's like, well, no more Heinrich. That's out of the way. So Mark returns to the creepy apartment and burns it down, taking Heinrich's motorcycle with him. And that's when Honda's Mark CBX returns 1000. back. <laughs> Okay, well, I, I knew you were going to figure it out. I was like, it's a motorcycle. But I knew the monkey was going to be. I know what that is. <laughs> I know the year. I know the model. Uh, yeah, that's how they do it. But anyway, so Mark returns back to his apartment, and once he tries to go to the elevator, we see that Margie has had her throat, and it's been slashed. She collapses into Mark's arms, and he puts her in the bathroom of their apartment. Anna greets him, and they end up having sex on the kitchen floor. So it's like, they're finally having sex. Maybe they'll get back together. We don't know. But, but it no, was horrible. So. It was, yeah. It's like, I was expecting right like, something like, I was expecting like, you know, a finally a passionate scene in this movie of, you know, all out, you know, be out, you know, throwing each other, rolling around all over the kitchen or something. Nope. Nope. No, it was just, it was very just quick and cold. Like it was just very just, they're going to do it. And, you know, we see them in the act and then we see them on the floor where Anna's dress is pulled halfway down and you know, her tits are out and he's just laying on his stomach. And that's when she admits to Mark that she is the one that killed Margie because Margie was going to be taking away what she loves most, which is the creature. And she just couldn't have that. So that's when Mark finally decides, all right, I will cover up her death and I will also look after Bob. You just need to go take Heinrich's motorcycle. Do you know how to ride it? She's like, yes, he taught me. And he's like, oh, great. More reason for me to hate Heinrich. He taught you how to ride a motorcycle. But anyway, just go get some money. I'll take care of everything else. Yeah, let's get so she, go, she decides to go away and, and do what she needs to do. So that night, Heinrich's mom calls Mark and says that her son has disappeared. She tells him that she went to Anna's creepy apartment, but it had burned down. And then she says that she had found Heinrich's body at the bar, but not his soul. So it's not him anymore. It's a body. His soul is gone. I don't know where his soul went. I need to find it. So Mark tells her that he'll eventually come visit her, and we see him drop off Bob at Helen's place. Like, can you just watch after him for a little while? I have to do some things. She's like, of course, of course, no problem. Meanwhile, you're just a fucking teacher. Like, you are just his teacher. Yes. (laughs) Are you you this interested in other kids? (laughs) What about little Steve and little Rachel? She was also laying in bed with the dude naked at some point, so I think she she was DPF. Yeah. And so Mark leaves off with Helen, telling her that he has to take care of some business. So, of course, he goes away. And then when Mark later sees Anna, she is just straight up having sex with the creature, fucking hentai style, just like the monkey loves it. 
Jesus, get him. The monkey was coming in his fucking pants. Dude, I know it's like when this happened. Wait, oh, dude, it's like this. This was like the only part of the movie where I was like, "Holy shit, this is awesome!" <laughs> yeah, and it's especially we're talking. I need the room. <laughs> especially we're talking, you know, effects nineteen because this was probably made in nineteen eighty because it was released in eighty one. So we're talking nineteen eighty effects, and we're able to get this kind of stuff. My my only problem was I wanted more of a creature. I you know I. Wanted a bigger, nastier creature, you know, cover that whole fucking thing in Vaseline. You know, Ghoul knows exactly where I'm going with this. You know, but it should have been. They'd love to be all more. It should have been more. Like, it should have been fully enveloping her and all that kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> but, yeah. You wanted anyway. to see it penetrating your pussy. That's what you wanted to see. No. You wanted to see no, that fucking creature dick going in. Uh, I wanted I wanted to be a more bigger menacing creature of like just you know if you're gonna go there then go there and you know again have all the tentacles all over the fucking place just don't have this yeah. little bit of ma- mass on the t- on the bed that's all but there was a lot of tentacles going but they on tried. if you look at it there's a lot of tentacles a little too much um, but it's yeah. also you see that it's actually taking stages because when you first see it it's just a fucking mound of fucking flesh in a bathroom. And then you later see it with the eyes and the mouth, and now it's almost fully fucking formed. Like, it has hair on top of its head. So, like, you know, what the That's fuck is going on? You know, and all the All the creature effects were done by Carlo Rambaldi, who actually worked on Aliens uh, not that long later. So, yeah, he went from doing this to doing Aliens. So you could see some of his, his creature work here. Um, so Mark sees this sex going on, and at first he's like, oh, fucking gross. And then all of a sudden he's like, you know what? I'm okay. Like, it's fine. Like, you know, it's, she's happy. So that's, that's all I care about. I just care about her being happy. Uh, so he leaves, and he eventually reaches. <laughs> yeah, I'll sit and wait. Um, but he eventually leaves and goes to Heinrich's mom's place where he's trying to comfort her about Heinrich, and she's saying that, you know, his body was there, but his soul was missing. Um, and she calls him the angel of death. She's like, wherever you go, death follows. And he doesn't really understand why she's saying this. But then she eventually says, if I can't live without Heinrich, I don't want to live at all. So she eventually downs a bunch of pills and lays down on the bed saying, that's it, I'm done. So Mark's like, okay. I couldn't tell if it was pills or because there was so much botany going around, uh, you know, in her flat that, you know, maybe she had like some, you know, just some kind of poisonous leaves or something like that. Because it looked like she was shoving potpourri down her throat. It looked like pills. I mean, that's what I took it as. She was just ODing on pills, you know, and that's what, you know, she wanted to lay down in her little bed and, you know, die because if Heinrich's gone, then what's to fucking live for? So, you know, mom's out there, don't do that. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> so, you know, live on, you know, because his soul probably went up to Sky Daddy. Who knows? Heinrich is a good guy. He's just... <laughs> Got involved with the wrong one yeah, no. the wrong time. She, she, popped, she popped those pills, and, and that was that. <clears throat> so, uh, Mama. with her being gone, the next day, Mark is outside wandering around, and he's approached by his former associates, pressuring him to work for them again. He manages to evade them and speeds off on Heinrich's motorcycle. He eventually finds police going to Heinrich, uh, Zimmerman's rather, apartment, and he finds his way into a cab, holding the driver at gunpoint. And then later we see Mark jumping from the speeding cab as it crashes in to a bunch of parked cars, and he gets shot at by a bunch of cops. 
who eventually lands a shot on Mark as he falls to the ground, shooting at them, killing one of them, and then eventually causing several of the cars to explode. So he's and th- this part didn't make sense, though. It's like, what, you know, I enjoyed the part where, you know, he t- tells the ga- cabbie, you know, run this car into the cop cars. He's like, yeah, no problem, man. Yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly down yeah. for that. But but why did he have to do that? Because he would have simply have gotten away if he had just simply gone Easily. away. Yeah. You know, Easily it makes no away. sense. Yeah. yeah, it, it you know, makes think, no yeah. sense why, you know, I guess, you know, the, it, again, we're talking, you know, early 80s, you know, we got to have some car shit, you know, <laughs> we got to have some explosions. So we got to have three cars that explode in sequence. It was cool. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I like it. I like the effect. Don't get me wrong. I love the effect. Um, it just, like you said, it made no sense. Like, they are not looking for Mark. Like, they're looking into Zimmerman's apartment and to find out where he went. So when he sees that, he's like, oh, shit, you know, cause a distraction. I'll cause these cars to explode. And I love the fucking cabbie running out of the fucking cab <laughs> right before everything fucking explodes. You just see him hauling ass down the street as these cops start firing at Mark. Um, like I said, he had gotten hit, um, possibly fatally. So he gets back on the motorcycle and eventually wrecks out. And then he finds himself stumbling into a building, running up the stairs, where Anna eventually finds him. And she's running up the stairs to find him with another person. Like, we don't see who it is, but we know that she is with somebody. So she eventually reaches Mark, who is slowly dying from his wounds. And we find out that the person that's with her is Mark an exact copy of Mark, a doppelganger, who is looking young and fresh, and he just has this weird smile on his face. And she tells him that, you know, it's your exact copy, but you're everything that this doppelganger is everything that Mark isn't. He's exceptional at sex, and he's very doting on Anna and cares about her. So you're just, he's just everything that you aren't. So Mark's like, well, you know what? (laughs) I'm fucking done. I am fucking dying I have no more time for your bullshit anymore. So he tries to shoot the doppelganger, but he and Anna are eventually shot up by bullets from the cops downstairs. Anna, bloody and dying, takes the gun from Mark and shoots herself in the chest and eventually dies collapsing on top of Mark. The doppelganger because she's flexible because she's, about, because she's flexible because she takes ballet. So she's <laughs> able to sit there and take that gun, put her arms behind her own back while laying on top of him and shoot them both. Fucking Serbian style. (laughs) Except Mark isn't quite dead yet. Uh, She dies from her her gunshot. But then the doppelganger runs up and sees a woman that sees everything. She's like, oh, what the fuck? And he's like, hey, it's okay. It's okay. Take the gun. Take the gun. And we're going to aim it at the cops. Shoot the gun. Shoot the gun. And she's like, okay. And she fires the gun at the cops. And he's like, all right, I'm out of here. And he goes running to the rooftop. (laughs) And she's like, wait. he had a number? weird look on his face. <laughs> yeah. But he had this weird look on his face while he was saying it, which is making me wonder, did he ha- does he have some kind of mind control? It's possible, because we don't know what this doppelganger is, is capable of. Yes, we just know that does. this woman... But, no, yeah. but we also did yeah, see the sequence cool. earlier where he looks at the, the, the cop's lover or whatever, and like he makes whatever that noise is, and the guy like grabs his head and starts like freaking out and everything. So yeah, I think this thing does mm-hmm. have some kind of like psychic power. Yeah, it's possible because she's completely cool in that moment, you know, firing the gun at the cops that are down below, and he eventually decides to escape via the rooftop. Um, but once he's gone and escaped, Mark 
as he is continuing to die, decides to do just to dive off the staircase, killing himself. So he's just done, <laughs> and he... He was like, you know what, I saw Batman. I'm going to try and be Batman and try to avoid the cops by just diving straight down the (laughs) staircase. (laughs) He was not Christian Bale. No, he's not. He had no cape. He had no way of doing it. He just, I think he was just done. And did you guys notice when the cops and the people that are after Mark are running up the stairs, one of the guys had pink socks on? Pink socks. Yeah, well, yeah, he made it <laughs> real obvious. He stopped right in front of the fucking camera going, check out my pull up the <laughs> hot pink socks. Look at this thing. I had just forgotten where it was in the movie, you know, where they mentioned it. Like, I remember it had been mentioned. I, by, by this point, I had just completely forgotten when it got mentioned, which I guess was during his whole uh, spy debriefing. Yeah, because they asked him, did you meet the guy with the pink socks? And he's like, nope, I have no idea what you're talking about. So that's why I was like, oh, my God, they brought him back? <laughs> that's nice. The fact that they bring back the guy with the pink socks that's running after Mark as he falls to his death. Um, but after this is all said and done, we cut back to the apartment with Helen watching after Bob. The doorbell rings, and Bob is like, don't open it. Don't open it, please. Don't open it. Don't open it. And she's like, it's fine, Bob. Like, relax. Like, it's, you know, I will answer the door. Everything's going to be okay. He's like, please, don't do it. So Bob freaks out as she goes to the door, dives into the bathtub, laying face down, as we have to assume he's dead. Like, I just assume this is him just going, fuck it. <laughs> I know what's going on. Yeah, it's this, like, what the fuck? I'm out of here. What, what is with this family? <laughs> but as, <laughs> as he dives into, up. But as he dives into the bathtub and does the face down thing, and once again, it brings it back throughout the movie um, Mark says that he loves diving into the tub. Like, he loves being underneath the water in the tub, trying to go for the record of tub dives. So, like, this kid just loves being in the right. water. Right, he just record in the water. Point, yeah, but you have to assume at this point he's doing the, the dead man's dive because he's dead. So you have to assume he's killing himself. But as he does this, we start to hear sirens and planes and explosions going off. Isn't it like impossible as we see like that? I don't know. I think if you just lay there, probably. Like, if you don't pick yourself back up, I think you're eventually going to die. But, but that's the thing. I think it's impossible to do that because I think your body naturally is going to bring you up to get air. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Like, doing a dead man's float, like, yeah, maybe your body would have a natural reaction to be like, you need to get back up. <laughs> We're going to die if you don't get air. I don't know. I mean, it's possible. I mean, I always took it as Bob killing himself. Like, this whole family, Anna, Mark, and Bob are gone. Um, we're left with the doppelganger of Mark showing up at the door, kind of pressing his hands up against the door, and then Helen looking at the reflection of, of doppelganger Mark, and then turning to the camera with her eyes gleaming green, and then we eventually cut to the credits of the ultra-thin soundtrack that this movie had, which I love the soundtrack to this movie. Like, so I meant to say so... that at the top. There was a pretty cool soundtrack to this film also. Yeah. I loved it. Like, it's so ultra 80s synth, ominous synth, happy synth. But, yeah, I, I love the soundtrack in this movie, especially, like, it's, it's, it fits all the scenes, especially the ending, the but opening then, of the movie. But, but then at the end, why do we have all the bombs and explosions and sirens and shit? Like, did an a, like is it an alien invasion starting or something? You know, it's like... It could be an alien. Why is... Yeah. Like, why, why the fuck do we have all this going on? It's, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I think it's just left to the in, in, your imagination. 
Like, are they actually going off? Um, like, I know a lot of people, I think, when they watch possession, yeah, go ahead. Go, I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, I know that, you know, from, from some of the things that, like, I had dug into it as well, though, is, is a lot of this has to do with some of the real violence and shit that was going on at the time yeah. in that region and, and area. So it's not so, it's actually not as, like, crazy sounding as it might seem to us, you know, for them, it was kind of yeah. a war zone still, you know, and, uh, yeah, right. you know, yeah. we here, we, we, we didn't, you know, deal with that kind of shit because cause they did over there. You know, the whole, yeah, the whole iron the curtain, war. man. Yep. Yeah. It's during the Cold War. The Berlin Wall is still up, so it's not impossible for there to be an air raid going on. Um, you know, in this whole movie, um, it's Andre Zalowski's only English-speaking movie. Like, he just went back to his natural language after this. Um, he was going through a divorce at the time, and he wanted to apply it to this movie. And he had also been kicked out of Poland during this time. So he was feeling a whole lot of fucking things when he made Possession. Um, and like the ghoul had said, uh, Isabella Johnny was like, yeah, I, I just, this movie fucked me up. <laughs> like, she wanted to kill herself. She eventually said that she's like, this is a movie that I can never do again. Sam Neill said this is probably one of his favorite movies that he's ever done. So Sam Neill's like, I fucking love Possession. <laughs> you know, he's gone in interviews and saying, like, this movie, probably one of my favorites. He's like, I could never do it again, but, yeah, like, it's probably one of my favorites. And he's just so good in it. Like, like the, the monkey had said, it's, you see two sides of him all the time. You see, like, the good side of Mark, and then you see the fucking bastard side of Mark where he's beating on his wife and going crazy. And then all of a sudden he's like, I'm going to play kickball. I just I thought the dynamic works mm-hmm. because they're both just toxic people. They do not belong together in any way, shape, or form. Like they need to, to leave each other, but they can't for some reason. There's this weird toxic thread, which is the creature. Um, much like we talked about with After Midnight, uh, the German Gardner film, where that creature is it representing a breakup? Is it representing depression and heartbreak? Um, but eventually physically manifests itself. Is that the creature? You know, is that Anna, with all the sexual repression, because Mark isn't giving it to her, and he's gone all the time, is that why the creature's there? It manifests yeah, itself or, as something that Anna can actually have. Yep. Or is, is Helen, because again, remember, the, the, the doppelganger of Mark looks just like Mark mm-hmm. with different color eyes. Yep. And Helen That's looks right. just like Anna with different color eyes. So, I mean, are they both doppelgangers? Are they both the perfect representations of the people that they were? Um, you know, are they them without all of the, the negative issues and all of the fucking the, the problems and the drinking and the fighting and, and his busyness with work and, and her, you know, being a freaking whore, you know? Yeah, and that's like I said earlier, that Helen is the exact opposite of Anna. Like, Anna is frenzied and depressed and just anxiety-riddled and just a maniac, where Helen is more like, you know what, I'm just here. Like, I care about people, and I love people, and I think we need more of that in the world. And so it's like the exact opposite. So this is somebody that Mark would want to be with, like the doppelganger of Anna. So it kind of works back and forth. Where like the doppelganger Mark, he fucks all the time and he cares about me. That's all I want. So it's one of those things of, of things manifesting physically for both of these people. But you know, in the end, it just becomes a fucking nightmare. So um, with that being said, that was my pick of the week possession from 1981. Next week, Ghoul, the choice is yours. What are we talking about next week? 
Oh, you know, man, was, like I can't wait to hear. Oh, I bet. I bet you guys are going to love it. It's going to be short. Um, it's going to be just uh, you, just over an hour, just over an hour long. It is, uh, it did is you pick black it? and Hoping white. We'll enjoy it. Uh, I'm picking it because I've wanted to see it, and I keep blowing it off. Um, I've never watched oh, this movie. Okay. Um, it, it, it is on Shutter. It is, and again, I you know because I, I have an idea for the year. Unfortunately, fucking mm. you know, movies just don't want to cooperate. So, so unfortunately, I couldn't find something that fit <laughs> in with this month. So instead, I'm going to go with uh, we're going to actually watch Tetsuo, the Iron Man. Oh, I love Tetsuo. Oh, shit. Yes. I fucking love Tetsuo. <laughs> it's on Shudder, is it? It is on oh, Shudder. And, uh, yeah, you know, I've, I've, I've oh. heard things about it. I've never seen it. Uh, every oh, my time, God. Like, I take a look person. at it, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to watch this. But then, you know, something comes up, and I don't. So so now I'm going to have no choice, and neither are you. I thought you've already seen Iron well, Man. Well, no, this is we a watched Iron Man together. This is a very fucked Holy up shit, you, you found a Japanese oh movie God, that dude. the king actually likes. <laughs> and the sequel. I love the sequel to Tetsuo that came out a couple of years ago. Yeah, I'm, I'm because a fan of the, Tetsuo. Because of the length of the original, I almost did make the call of just doing the first two movies. But then because of the length of the sequel, I was like, all right, now I'm not going to do that to you guys. No, sequel is more feature length. The, the the first one is more experimental. It's short. So, you know, man, dude, excellent fucking choice. I can't wait to talk about Tetsuo next week. It, it's going to be a trip. So we will stay tuned next week for that. Uh, Dean, thank you so much for joining this episode of Possession. And we'll see you back here next week for Tetsuo, the Iron Man. All right. Monkey, why don't you go ahead and sign yourself off? Thanks for listening, everybody. Good night, everybody. Mwah. All right, cool. Go ahead. We have your pick for next week to look forward to. Why don't you go ahead and sign yourself off? Stay scared and stay away from doppelgangers, everybody. (laughs) Unless they look like Sam Neill, then you kiss that daddy all you want. Sam Neill and his daddy. Unless they look like Helen, then then you go to that. See, that's what they needed to have in this movie. Helen and fucking Anna being like, you don't want to fuck us? And he's going to be like, hell yeah. That would oh, have been a great dude, fucking movie. They would have been able to movie. pull off a fucking Helen and Anna fuck scene, man. Yeah. Party <laughs> yeah. city. What a fucking scene that would have been in possession of. There's like, we just want to fuck you, Mark. And he's like, okay. <laughs> I guess I'll have to act like I don't want it. <laughs> uh, I just, I, I love Sam Neill. Um, and I know you had seen The Omen, The Final Conflict, I think, at some point, where he played Damien. And like the yeah, early Sam Neill role, like, it was great. Yeah, no, you know, for me, like, my first my first time ever seeing Sam Neill was actually in Dead Calm. Um, I'd seen that prior mm-hmm. to, like, Jurassic Park and everything. So, and, like, I, I know I saw uh, the, the Omen 3 before that, but, like, I, I didn't remember that movie. But I did remember Dead Calm. So, like, when I saw him as Dr. Yeah. Alan Grant in Jurassic Park, I'm like, oh, it's the dude from Dead <laughs> Calm, you know? So, so anytime I see him mm-hmm. even younger than that, it's always like, wow, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, as for me, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Angie G. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the show. Hail yourself, hail Satan, hail Odorous, and we'll see you back here next week for the Gould Film Pick of the Week, Tetsuo, the Iron Man. Tetsuo, Kameda! <laughs> <laughs>